0: the sunday review with tim graham hello and welcome to the latest edition of the sunday review as part of world asthma day we hear from karen Franklin about the condition and the treatments available fitness instructor donna kelly joins us to tell us about some new pre and postnatal fitness classes running in east grinstead and lawrence williams from east grinstead choral societies here with news on their latest production Paul Tolmey will be chatting to Jade Hawkin from Copthorne Scouts and Guides about the gang show that's on at the Hawth next Saturday. He'll also be finding out about the Archway Theatre's latest production, Macbeth, from director Dodie Brown. Plus, Carrie Overton will be chatting to counsellor and psychotherapist Helen Kuehl. All coming up in this edition. Last Tuesday was World Asthma Day, an event held each May to raise awareness of asthma worldwide. Norman Wong spoke to Karen Franklin, a primary care nurse specialist working for the NIOX group.
1: Karen, thanks for joining me today.
2: Why is World
1: Asthma Day so important?
2: So, asthma is quite a big problem in the UK. We have about 5.4 million people that have asthma and that equates to one in every 12 adults and one in every 11 children tragically up to four people die every day because of asthma attacks and and a large study that looked into the asthma death showed that actually two-thirds of asthma deaths are classed as preventable or avoidable. So this is one of the key reasons why it's so important that asthma is diagnosed early, symptoms are reported and recognised, and then we can get patients on the right and appropriate asthma treatments through the right type of inhalers so that all these outcomes, awful outcomes can be prevented. And what we're aiming for is for patients with asthma to be diagnosed early with the appropriate tests, such as and peak flow spirometry and importantly the pheno test um, so that it can lead symptom-free lives.
1: How does the FIMO testing improve the diagnosis and treatment of asthma?
2: So pheno is an abbreviation so it's capital F small e capital N O um, fractional exhaled nitric oxide. It, it's a test that's a very simple and straightforward breath test that be, can be done at an asthma checkup um, the healthcare professional takes you through the test and it's a very simple breathing test which helps identify the presence and also the level of inflammation in the breathing tubes so inflammation is is the key feature in asthma whether breathing tubes or your airways become red and angry and swollen making breathing very difficult so pheno testing helps improve the accuracy of the diagnosis And then it also helps with the ongoing monitoring and management of patients that have asthma.
1: What is the key treatment to relieve the inflammation?
2: So, there's generally two different types of treatment. Um, As I've mentioned, the key feature and problem with asthma is that the airways are red and angry and swollen and inflamed. So, the most important inhaler for the majority of patients with asthma is to take something that's an anti inflammatory medication, and that's an inhaler that contains um, an inhaled corticosteroid. So, that's the treatment that's going to remove the inflammation. Um, The inflammatory changes also cause a little bit of a problem with the muscle around the tube that clamps down on the tube sometimes when the patient comes into certain triggers. So perhaps that could be linked to exercise or if they go near animals or changes in the weather, just as as some examples. And what we use there are what we call rescue inhalers. These are often referred to as as blue inhalers, but these are used very intermittently on a very occasional basis. So if, if your patient is taking their steroid inhaler regularly and that keeps the inflammation suppressed then there is very very little need to use the rescue inhaler and one of the benefits of pheno testing is that we're able to assess inflammation um, on an ongoing basis and pe- that means that healthcare professionals can optimize treatment for patients accordingly depending on the level of inflammation in their areas
1: In your opinion, do asthma sufferers fully understand the condition?
2: Um, I think generally no. I mean, we've had World Asthma Day this week, and that's an event that takes place in May every year, and that's dedicated to raising awareness of asthma. And it encourages people to learn more about looking after their asthma and highlights the impact because there are so many things now that can be done that help to identify and improve treatment and control asthma symptoms. And a lot of patients with asthma do have a poor perception of their disease and they often think that their asthma is well controlled when it's not. Sometimes patients don't recognise how bad their asthma is and this is why it's so essential that we should be measuring the inflammation in the breathing tubes as part of the asthma appointment. So I would Really encourage anybody with asthma to ask if they can have this test done.
1: If you're not sure you're an asthma sufferer, what symptoms should you look for?
2: Well, if they're experiencing any symptoms at all. So, the common symptoms of asthma are cough wheeze uh, which is a whistling noise when you're breathing chest tightness shortness of breath and very typically in asthma the symptoms come in episodes so they're not there all the time patients tend to move from having active to inactive phases symptoms are also linked to different triggers as i've mentioned and the symptoms are variable so if anybody has any concerns for themselves or a family member or a child they should go and seek advice from either their gp their practice nurse, their pharmacist. They'll have a full checkup, lots of questions to assess the level of their symptoms at that time. And there'll be another number of different objective tests that may take place as well. So it could be a peak flow test or a spirometry test, which measure the level of airflow limitation or the the level of narrowing in the breathing tubes and then alongside that we measure the inflammation by doing the pheno test so they, they all go hand in hand with each other
1: Karen where can we find more information
2: um, so, as I say, you can speak to your local healthcare team, so your GP, practice nurse or pharmacist, or you can go online for information about phenotesting and asthma. So, just to remind everybody, the spelling for that is a capital F, a small e, and then capital N-O. The NHS has got information available on their website, and also charities such as Asthma and Lung UK have got information about phenotesting there.
0: Karen Franklin's talking there to Norman Wong. For more details on asthma, visit nhs.uk forward slash asthma. That's nhs.uk forward slash asthma. Or asthmaandlung.org.uk. That's asthmaandlung.org.uk. We'll post links to both on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on Facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. Sweaty Mama are running new pre- and postnatal fitness classes here in East Grinstead. Their aim is to help women of all fitness levels to enjoy fun and effective workouts in a relaxed and safe environment. To tell us more, I'm joined by fitness instructor Donna Kelly. Donna, welcome to the show. Now, before we talk about the classes themselves, how did you get involved in all of this?
3: Um, so, um, I've been into fitness for quite a few years, um, but um, sort of during lockdown it became more um more of a passion um and I sort of started to study um for my fitness instructor um and then last year I fell pregnant with twins and um so sort of everything sort of went on hold and my passion was always sort of pre and postnatal fitness led and uh, when they were born I just thought now is the time now is when I now is when I launch and uh one late night scrolling while feeding the twins uh, scrolling through Instagram I spotted the advert for the franchise of Sweaty Mama and after talking to a few of the mums I went to baby massage with we realised there is nothing in the area for mums where you can take a baby along and keep fit so mums very often get forgotten about we we, we, our our time to ourselves our, our little bit of time to work out isn't deemed important to us anymore because we have to carry on with childcare and this just seemed like the perfect Way to get give everyone everything.
0: So describe to us then what a typical sweaty mama class is like.
3: So um, we we have various different classes. So the mainline sweaty mama class is an upbeat, fun class. Um, we'll start with some cardio tracks. And um, a lot of mamas choose to baby wear in a sling or a carrier. Um, so that just gives you that extra bit of resistance when you're working out, a bit of extra weight. Um, some of the mums with slightly older children, their children will come and play with the toys that I bring at the front of the class. Um, After our cardio tracks and our resistance tracks, we'll move on to um, some floor tracks where we'll let baby lay next to us or just in front of us or just on your chest um, so that you really get that time to bond with them while you are working out and working on yourself. Um, And then we'll finish up with a three hold track, which the babies love. Um, using them as a bit of a way giving them a swing around which is something that you'd normally do at home anyway pushing them up into the air making them feel like they're flying bringing them back down to your chest um, but this is in a more sort of controlled way where you will get your workout in um, and then we finished with a cool down with all the babies together and all the mums around them that's your mainline mama, uh, sweaty mama session and that's then good. I'm bringing mamelitis which is a lower pace. Um, sort of more relaxing class focusing on the core strength and um, balance and stability and breath work
0: fantastic it sounds like a really great way to involve your baby in your fitness routine
3: they do tend to love it we see a lot of smiles lots Uh, of happy babies
0: brilliant so what kind of fitness levels do you need to take part in a class
3: so classes are suitable um, from six weeks post postnatal, once mama has had the go ahead to exercise from a professional. Um, we do recommend slightly longer if you've had a C section, just to ensure that you really have healed. Um, and they're for all abilities. Uh, every every workout that we do has various different levels of um, intensity I'll always offer options um, so you can choose whether you take the slightly lower intensity or whether you push through to a higher intensity Um, each set of sessions is worked into a block of six so if you come along on your first week and you're taking those lower intensity moves at the start by the end of the six weeks you should start to see that you can push yourself slightly more Um, because you will have worked on those muscles making them stronger
0: how long have you been running the classes for
3: we're actually still very new Um, we are um, just in our fourth week of running classes Um, but everyone is very excited um, to be coming along Um, everyone's enjoying it at the moment and um, all looking to sign up for their next six week course um, once we get to the end of this six weeks
0: brilliant so what's the feedback been like so far
3: I, think I see a lot of smiling faces from mums and babies um while we're working out everyone just says that they look forward to the class it, it, it is that time where they are focusing on them and not just not just being mummy obviously that's the most important role when you do become a mum but you still need to have time for yourself as well and this is just a great way the mums get to chat to each other after a session um We've organised a a social last week so that we could all go out together um, to a, a bounce and roll at the local gym. Just really building a community of women who look after each other and have got something in common, not just the children.
0: So what sort of general advice would you have then for mums who want to get back into fitness after having a baby?
3: I would say, obviously, don't start before you've given the go-ahead before from your GP or a health visitor, um, and just start with gentle exercise. Um, in those first six weeks, it, it can be a, a constant blur of night feeds and, and napping and or, or lack of napping, and just take the time to get out, get some fresh air, take a walk and start to build up your fitness from there. Once you do get to six weeks, I'm happy to take you into the class. We can start with the lower intensity workouts and work our way up from there.
0: So if someone listening is interested in getting involved, how can they try Sweaty Mama for themselves?
3: So um, you can visit the website, which is eastgrenstead.sweatymama.com. And it will show you the range of classes that I offer and the times and days that that they are available.
0: So just on that, when and where do the classes run and how much do they cost?
3: So currently I have um, the Jubilee Centre on a Tuesday afternoon at 1.30. I do have a session in Turner's Hill at the Ark on a Wednesday morning at 9.45, but that is currently fully booked. um, So you'd have to join the wait list. Um, And I also have sessions on a... Friday morning in Crawley at 11am at St. Barnabas Church, 1pm at the WI Hall in Edenbridge and my Mammalatis classes begin at Forest Row Village Hall at 1.15 on a Wednesday afternoon. So um, normally classes are booked in a six-week block at £50, however um, I know what it's like when you've got a child, you need to make sure that you can work to your timings um so i do offer trial sessions for nine pounds those can't be booked via the website so if you are interested um, head to the website there's a link to my whatsapp and you can just pop me a message
0: brilliant donna thanks so much for joining us today and telling us more about sweaty mama
3: great thank you very much
0: for more information on the classes that donna runs visit eastgrinstead.sweatymama.com that's eastgrinstead.sweatymamma.com. We'll post a link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. The East Grinstead Choral Society have announced their next performance will be Gilbert and Sullivan's The Mikado, which will take place at the checkermead Theatre at the end of June. Their musical director, Lawrence Williams, is here to tell us more. Lawrence, welcome to the show. Now, we've spoken before about the East Greenstone Choral Society, but for those who aren't aware of you, just remind us who you are and what you do.
4: Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me on again. It's a real pleasure to be here. We are the East Greenstone Choral Society. I'm the music director, and we're a non-audition choir of Uh, ever larger number of people. We're now nearing 100 people. Um, And we meet each week at St. Swidman's Church. We're not a religious choir. We sometimes sing religious music. Um, But this term, we are singing the very fun Mikado by Gilbert and Sullivan.
0: So this is a slight departure from some of your previous performances. What made you choose the Mikado?
4: So Gilbert and Sullivan were in their day the sort of musical theatre writers only they were extremely clever clever people and they were writing comedy satire about uh, the political things that were going on of the day and that means that uh, these pieces have lots of really lovely tunes in it it's got a fantastically bizarre but very funny storyline as well and it's just an altogether fun piece and there were quite a few people in the choir who have sung it in years past. Um, It's one I didn't know until now and I'm really, really delighted to get to know it. Lots of good tunes, lots of fun uh, and a good bit of comedy along the way.
0: Fantastic. So how long has this been in preparation for?
4: So we've got nine rehearsals this term, uh, which is really fantastic uh, for getting the chorus up to scratch. And uh, we've had two rehearsals so far. Our next rehearsal is going to be the Thursday coming up, and that has given us an opportunity to really start not just learning all the notes, which people have managed to learn quite quickly, um, but people are even managing to get it off copy, which is really encouraging because being a sort of operetta, as it were, musical theatre type piece, we don't want to be uh, with our heads and our copies for everyone, we want to be really performing for them.
0: Brilliant. And what will audiences be able to expect?
4: So the first thing to say is we're at Checker Theatre for this, which is a more suitable venue because obviously this is a piece that is normally staged. Uh, on this occasion, it's a concert performance. What that means is we haven't had a director telling actors where to move on stage and all of that. Uh, however, the soloists we have got in are some of the top soloists in the country who go around doing Gilbert and Sullivan. So they know this piece, like the back of their hand, Um, And I can promise you they will bring a real party to the evening. If it's not something you know before, I promise you will go away uh, having really been sold it by then and uh, having thought it was a great thing. We also it's going to be a real evening of comedy. Um, The storyline, as I say, is very bizarre. I'm not going to reveal too much now uh, because uh, a good teaser leaves you waiting. Uh, And there's going to be some lovely music along the way as well. So just remind us, when and where is it taking place? Check and Mead Theatre in East Grinstead. It's on the 24th of June, which is a Saturday, and hopefully just in time before everyone's holidays. And how much are tickets, and where can people get hold of them? So tickets can be bought through the Check and Mead website, or if you go onto our website, there's a link uh, to the Mikado from there. And uh, tickets are £20, but I must say we've already sold half of the tickets, so please uh, get onto that as quickly as you are able to. We're, normally we haven't sold this many by this moment, so we're really, really encouraged. Um, do get in there, it's going to be a great evening and we're definitely looking to have a full house. That's great news. I guess it may be too late for people to
0: join you for this particular performance, but are you open to new members in general?
4: Of course we are. And actually, I would say this term is a good one uh, for it not being too late, uh, because, as I say, there's so many memorable tunes and uh, opera works very differently to a lot of other music. Um, It's designed to be memorised. It's designed to be uh, something that's singable and hummable. Um, I should say operetta, really. It's not opera, but there we go. And um, so absolutely, if you are still thinking, oh, that's something I'd like to come and sing in rather than watch, Uh, then do come uh, join us at one of our rehearsals on a Thursday and uh, bring a friend to the Checker in your place.
0: Great idea. Now, I'm not sure how much you can reveal, but what's next for the choir?
4: Um, I mean, sort of chalk and cheese here, but the the next piece we're going to do is um, uh, Handel's very famous Messiah. And uh, if no one knows what that is, uh, uh, I might just sing you Hallelujah, which would probably be the most famous uh, piece of music sung by everyone everywhere, uh, for, in, sometimes for reasons that are religious and some not. Uh, but uh, that's what we're doing next term is Handel's Messiah. Uh, so that has the amazing piece like the Hallelujah Chorus, the Amen Chorus. Um, we're going to have some brilliant solos in for that and hopefully a uh, Baroque orchestra as well. That's going to be in St. Swithin's Church at the start of December. Sounds
0: like lots of exciting things to look forward to.
4: That is, yeah, yeah. And thank you so much once again, Tim, for having me. It's been a, a real pleasure to get to speak to you and uh, to put this out to all your listeners. So I hope we see some of you there.
0: That's great. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us today and good luck with the Mikado. Thank you very much. As a reminder, the East Grinstead Choral Society's production of the Mikado is on Saturday the 24th of June at 7pm at the Checkmead Theatre in East Grinstead. For tickets, visit checkermead.org.uk. That's checkermead.org.uk. Or you can call the box office on 01342 302000. That's 01342 302000. And for more information about the Choral Society itself, visit egcs.co.uk. That's egcs.co.uk. We'll post all the details on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On Saturday the 13th of May, the Copthorne scouts and guides will be putting on a gang show. Earlier this week, Paul Tolmey spoke to the show's director, Jade Hawken.
5: Myself amongst a massive team, because it does take Mm. a team of people. I've got um, assistant director, choreographer, musical director, um, a technical team, there are... People who are making sets, props, costumes, so it does take a massive team just to support the gang show. Um, but yes, I have for the last six or six or so weeks. I've written the show and I've been working with the kids um, and you know teaching them to dance, perform, and basically enjoy themselves being on stage. Because mm. quite a lot of the children, this might be their first ever time mm. on stage, and actually, particularly. Um, On this occasion, because obviously we had um, COVID, the dreaded C word, um, which meant that actually an awful lot of children who may have had some experience are now scouts or um, explorers or Mm. or guides and rangers and they haven't actually experienced the gang show before. Mm. So, yeah, it's a a lot of firsts going on this time, Mm. including myself, Mm. because I've only been in um, scouts for just over a year. So, um, yeah, this is my first gang show. (laughs) (laughs)
6: <laughs> me. So this is a this is a full on operation then. This is a massive yep. this is a massive production.
5: Yes, it is. It's um it's grown over the years. So mm. I think um the guy the gang show has um, been going for over fifty years and it did start off in Copthorne Village Hall, um, but then I think just through the sheer number of children that were joining both um scouts and guides, uh, it then progressed to the whore theatre. So we've now got over 140 children who are going to be performing.
6: So do you have a performing arts background yourself?
5: Um I did um used to be before I went back into the world of IT and sort mm. of the boring 9 to 5. I used to be a stage manager. Yeah. Um so I used to tour. I used to work in the West End. Um I also had a theatre and education company, so mm. I used to take um shows around to schools and we used to um, do sort of English literature shows. So, you know, Three three Bears, um, Cinderella and Goldilocks, mm. um, Aesop's Fables, all that sort of thing. So I'm very much... I used to do Stagecoach. I'm very much from a theatrical background. Um, and then my life changed when I had children, mm. as I think many people's lives do. So um, it's been very, very nice, actually revitalising my love and passion for this world. So it's been really lovely, you know, being involved in the gang show and actually having the trust from, because you know, they've only known me for a year, mm. the, you know, the Scouts and Guides um, Committee. So it's been really, you know, I've, I've absolutely loved every moment of this.
6: So what can people that are going to come and see this, what can they expect?
5: They can expect, as I alluded to earlier, amazing um, set, amazing costumes, mm. the children, you know, are passionate they're energetic they they're enjoying themselves mm. on stage and you know just being able to show and showcase what they have been learning the last sort of eight weeks to you know their grown-ups family friends etc so it's going to be a really nice collaboration you're going to see a collaboration of effort from mm. everybody and um some amazing S- little surprises are going to be happening throughout the show as well. Because so, yeah.
6: it's it's nice to see the scouts and the guides come together because yeah. they're normally sort of traditionally sort of apart. But it's yeah. But it's nice to yeah. them. Um,
5: I don't know if um that's particularly normal or abnormal, mm. but I know with Copthorne, um, because they sort of they are two very separate organisations, yeah. but they do cohabit, so they do yeah. have headquarters that are right next door to each other in Copthorne. Um, And so there are events, the gang show being one of them, sports day, they do jumble sales together. So I think it's really important as Mm. is with the sort of Copthorne village um, ethos that actually, yeah, the scouts and guides come together and very much demonstrate that, you know, you can do things together. But they are very much two separate organisations. And it it is wonderful that they're able to come together and produce this. Mm. And it is a wonderful example of collaboration in the village.
6: Mm. So you've got a mass of musicals and sketches and lots of different things going on.
5: Yeah, lots of different things. We've got um, big musical numbers. We've got dances. We've got comedy. We've got performance, you know, um, balloon. um, uh, I can't even think. Animal balloons. We've got so many different things. We've got, you know, wonderful performances from up-and-coming talent. And that's the other thing, is that these are kids who... Are predominantly from scouting or mm. guiding they're not necessary performers no. so expect to be surprised because I pleasantly was mm. it's very nice to actually work with you know the natural talent of some of these children
6: What age range are we talking here?
5: Um, We are talking from, I believe, Rainbows are the youngest at, I think it's just over four, Mm. all the way up to 18, 19. Wow. Um, And then also you have young leaders as well, Mm. so they take the age range up. You've also got the grown-up leaders, you'll see them on stage. They'll be putting a little bit of a performance and a sketch as well. So yeah, lots of fun.
6: Will we see you stepping into the spotlight, or um, I might, be... you might see me you on might. stage
5: a couple of times. Yeah,
6: right. it's
5: been really hard not to get on. No, stage. No, I, I
6: bet. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can understand that. <laughs> oh, brilliant! So, uh, do they? So, so what happened? Do they? Do they just audition, or do they?
5: Well, just, do you... they're actually, the whole um, ethos of mm. the Copthorne Scouts and Guides Gang Show is that everyone gets to do something. So. There are what we call extra parts, yeah. and so children who would like to do something more than just what they're doing in their sections, so whether it be rainbows or brownies or etc., um, they can go and do a um, a tryout day, and basically all that is is just to show us what they can do, what their skills are, and they can then go and do an extra part in the show. So you'll see them pop up, a, you know, two or three times, but no one ever gets told no, you know, we no. will make sure. that show that's the whole thing with the gang show it's yeah. about the children mm. and you know the whole show has been written with them and created with them so it should actually match you know the things that they want to do and the things that they're skilled at doing so yeah
6: I'm just in rehearsal as well underway now yeah um, when do you, are you so you're rehearsing at the village hall?
5: Uh no or we actually rehearse at the scout h- and guide the... huts. All oh, right, okay. Yeah yeah. And um, we've been really lucky because we've got the space there. Um we have actually just started rehearsing so now we're really starting to involve the set, the props, all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um that we're now rehearsing at Hazelwick School so they're very kind that they've lent us their um assembly hall. Yes. So, yeah, Sunday was our first trip there where we were able to restart putting things together. Mm. So, um yeah, we're there, we're there back at the hut tonight. So, carrying on Thursday, we've got our first band call. So, we actually um, get supported by uh, Copthorne Silver Band yes. as well. So, they've been I think supporting for since the 1970s wow. um, the gang show. So, they you'll you'll you can expect to see them as well.
6: Mm. Brilliant stuff. So, are you, so you're rehearsing literally almost every day up till thirteen? Yes. The 13th?
5: So the kids aren't. I am. You are and, along with the um, the rest of the. You're creative rehearsing team. when you're not even thinking about it. Yes. yes. Absolutely. No. So um, we've got session sections every single night. Mm. So Monday to Thursday, um, I do leaders on Friday, and then we rehearse all day Sunday. So for me, I am going from one hall to the from one hut to the next hut, and uh, backwards and forwards, making sure that everyone. Um, gets you know enough time so they can feel comfortable when they're on stage so yeah whilst they're also all doing their own regular scouting and guiding program as well so it all happens in you know at the same time
6: Mm. oh brilliant stuff so um when when do you get into the when do you get into the hall do you...
5: we go in on the friday on friday yep. okay on friday the 12th i don't think the children arrive until sort of late afternoon we all have one practice friday night and then we're in the next day and we're doing the two shows
6: okay wow this is going to be a yeah, it's going to be a of one. So uh, Friday, the t- so Friday the twelfth is the big rehearsal. Then on yep. Saturday you are there, and yeah, Saturday happens. the
5: thirteenth of May, we've got a three o'clock show and a six thirty show. So um,
6: yeah, mm, come. Wow.
5: You've got one day, one chance,
6: yes, one, two <laughs> or two chances. two chances, but one all on the same day. Exactly. So one day only. So do uh, get yourself along. And what happens on Sunday? Do you just sort of flop or I
5: think so. Yes. Well, I can just with experience of doing shows I can imagine that there will be as much work getting you know putting everything away all the costumes you know all the sets
6: start thinking about next year
5: Yeah, well <laughs> thankfully it's every <laughs> two years yes. but um, yeah I think probably have a couple of drinks because I haven't had anything for a very long <laughs> time <laughs> and celebrate because it, it is going to be a lovely evening yeah. or a lovely show
6: it will be uh, so how can we how can people uh, come along and see it
5: well you can get tickets on our website which is gangshow.cockthornscouts.co.uk um, and also you can follow us on instagram and um, which is cockthorn underscore gang underscore show um, and also you'll see a trailer on there that we've put together just a little teaser just so you can see what to expect
6: if people see it and want to get involved they can then volunteer or
5: yeah um so to participate mm. you have to be either uh, um in the scouting or guiding um, yes. organizations but absolutely if you want to volunteer um as a leader mm. or if you want to come and volunteer in terms of in, and actually you could still get involved now and help with props um makeup costumes um, I know that the costume team would very much appreciate people with an iron an ironing board to come down and help iron. I think there's about 500 costumes in this show, so wow. a lot of ironing. Um, so, yeah, no, you can absolutely come and get involved.
0: Jade Hawkins talking there to Paul Tolmy. The Gang Show is on Saturday the 13th of May at 3pm and 6.30pm at the Horth in Crawley. Tickets are available at gangshow.copthornscouts.co.uk. That's gangshow.copthornscouts.co.uk. We'll post the link, along with a trailer for the show, on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On Wellbeing Weekly on Tuesday, Carrie Overton spoke to Helen Kuehl, an East Grinstead-based counsellor and psychotherapist who specialises in a number of areas, including bereavement.
7: I've been a counsellor now for around seven or eight years in private practice. I started my studying prior to that and was working in, as most counsellors do, in um, voluntary placements, um, which is the start of my story really, um, because when I was in a voluntary placement I was working with CRUZ, which is a bereavement charity, um, and working often with people um, later in life, which we'll come on to talk about later. Um, and what brought me to it originally was a personal crisis of my own, mm. uh, actually a bereavement. Mm. Um, and um, in, in that moment, having received some counselling and feeling its power for change um, within myself, I almost immediately committed myself to, to learning more about it and to, and to
8: training to become a counsellor. There's so many different sorts of counselling. So how did you know which area you wanted to go into
7: um, so when I was training, so I trained in a, um, a type of counselling which is humanistic. And part of the underpinnings of that approach is um, a philosophy of life, which is um, an existential philosophy, which, which it, it essentially lends itself really well to the work that I do now. Because it says, if you want to live well, there's a clue in the title yes. of my book. Yeah. Um, if you want to live well, and fully then understanding and having awareness of who you are and what's going on for you allows you to do that it frees you up to do Mm. that and because of that approach that lends itself really well to working with those of us in later life Mm. and people in in the very end stages of life Mm. where we want to make the most of our lives Mm. so it sort of lent itself to it and then by accident in my work with Cruz as a student counsellor I worked a lot with people who were there over the age of 80 um in care homes and in their own homes and became very very um energized by that work my first client was uh, 95 wow and um suffering bereavement actually um also um, experiencing dementia and um, we had the most, um, what we, did, we did some of the most wonderful work together. And I think before going into that, I thought, well, what, what could we possibly do that's growthful for somebody who is facing the end of few years of their life? And um, it really turned all my assumptions on their head. So those two coincidences, if you mm. like, well, one of them
8: not a coincidence, but the other
7: one a coincidence mm. brought me to the specialism that I ended up
8: in. So now you work predominantly with elderly people.
7: Um, I would say that my practice is at the moment about 40% of that work and I think it's really important to acknowledge that generationally um, the people right now who are over the age of 80 or older are not necessarily going to seek help or counselling um, we as an as a generation or those of us um, who uh, so you and I Carrie, mm. <laughs> and the younger generation um our children's generation are much more used to talking about their feelings mm. um, so it's not they're not tending to always come to counseling mm. um, what that means is i 'm never hundred percent working in that space. I work with life transitions right. generally um, uh, around um, approaching motherhood or approaching midlife or approaching older age mm. so um, there's a lot of themes that roll forward th- mm. through those so yes it's a kind of a yes and no question yeah. <laughs> answer so
8: those transitions that you're talking about uh, linking to what you said about the philosophical side to all of this motherhood or moving on or or those transitions I think are the times when we really qu- either question ourselves mm. or lose ourselves is that something you find in your practice?
7: Um, absolutely. Mm. We, I think that's a great way to put it, lose mm. ourselves. Um, what I notice is we become something new, but we haven't caught up. Mm. So one of the beautiful um, journeys of the counselling process is really unpicking who do I want to be now. But our body and our um, essence has moved into that new space. but We have to make sense of it and catch mm. up. And often, what sits underneath that is our belief system, or our um, what we come to know about what motherhood means, or what midlife means, or what um, old being old means. And being able to unpick that mm. and say, "Well, who do I want to be?" Mm. Um, is really powerful.
8: Helen, tell tell us a little bit more about the work that you do with people in their later. Part of their life.
7: What I notice is that as we get towards those final decades of natural life, mm. um, what's happening for us is, is, is kind of polarised. Often we're thinking a lot about the past because we're reflecting. It's naturally, psychologically speaking and developmentally speaking, it is a time when we naturally reflect back. Mm. So we're thinking about the past and we're also um, processing quite a lot of loss. Yes. um and those losses might be people mm-hmm. but they might also be um the loss of a career or an identity attached to a career mm. they might be the loss of a status and we were talking about that a little bit before mm. before the last song around um not feeling that you have a place anymore they might be um children leaving home grandchildren leaving home yeah. and they, lots of but a lot of it is loss that's not to say it's not beautiful but tending to be that that gets brought in to a counselling environment Mm -hmm. um at that stage but so the work that I try to do tends to be to focus on what's happening right now Mm -hmm. uh, whilst also processing all of that and using the past as almost like a mirror does that make sense like a kind of reflective mirror so often if somebody is struggling with the idea of their own dying mm-hmm. and that comes into the work all of the time mm-hmm. in this space um because as a society we don't really talk about we don't talk openly about death no and i like to feel that my counseling room or 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 their house if i'm at their house is a space where we can just acknowledge that mm-hmm. and not not be and be brave about that yeah and acknowledge it um and say, okay, so when you were growing up, well, how was death handled? And then intergenerationally, those things are very different. So I have to take off my filter, everything I know, and and jump into their world mm. with them. And so it's really about that dipping back, looking forward, staying in the present. It's that sort of balancing act. Um, so do you mean sense.
8: learning about how their younger life formed and informed them? Mm to draw the conclusions that they have now. Mm-hmm. Is, it that, is that exactly what you mean? That.
7: and then also saying, and is that how you'd like it to be? So mm. again, we've got that sort of liberating mm. moment of acknowledging that, so I'll give an example with somebody that I worked with a long time ago who um, didn't understand why they were in a care home setting um, to be cared for um, towards the end of life. Mm. And for ages, I was trying to get underneath what this frustration was about and the reason we discovered in doing this backwards and forwards the reason is that their childhood was one where older members of the family were cared for by the family right in the family home mm. so the frame of reference was very much we we care for people in our home and 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 in multiple generations of one family living together And you know which is very much how tribal societies do it Mm. but you know we don't do it that way anymore so this is where this
8: disconnect was coming in does that make sense absolutely and and i think that i always refer to it as the blueprint Mm. that blueprint that we get can be such a positive one Mm. and also such a negative one and i guess the starting point for people is realizing that that is their blueprint and where Mm. it came from and almost sitting, looking at it like a third party and saying, like you say, is that what I want? Is that the blueprint that I want to have on yes. my life? And what's the impact to your clients then of liberating themselves yes. from it?
7: Well, they find that they can... Up- so I think there's two right. types. Yeah, One is around choices. Um, often if you are constricted by medication or uh, illness or, mm. or disease, it's very hard to make choices. It's not always... Um, if you've had a stroke it's, it's, and you're not mobile it's hard to make free choice but I don't actually there's always a choice and the choice is in how you can orientate yourself towards the situation you're in mm. so in this um, example that I was I was giving there was a freedom in just saying that's why I feel so frustrated that's why I feel so cross and then the quiet acceptance of of where they were at because they weren't able to live independently no. Um, so there's a sort of inward choice that can happen as well. The other thing, as you're talking, that came to me, so we have this blueprint. The other thing that's on the blueprint, with a life well-lived and a long life, can be trauma and multiple trauma. And that's something to really, really respect. Because mm-hmm. in this reflective state of being in counselling, we I have often, we have often unearthed really early and, and a long time ago, therefore, traumas that we have to go very carefully with mm-hmm. um because again generationally even for our generation we sort of don't talk about well, you know we probably don't haven't mm-hmm. dealt perhaps with some of those traumas and that comes up more than you know mm-hmm. actually more than I realized it would mm-hmm. um, in the telling of the life story yeah um and then we would switch I would switch into a more of a trauma-informed you know mm-hmm. very go very carefully with that how
8: do people find acceptance Mm, okay in your experience
7: well everyone's different it's not helpful for me to say that but it is everyone's different um what i think acceptance looks like mostly is a settling in of feeling able to live fully now rather than um so that might be today i'm going to do this and that's okay so fully in the now rather than being i call it spun by or directed by um resentment or anger mm. or frustration which have uh, we've kind of trawled around with us so mm-hmm. I think acceptance looks like being able to act in a way where you're not responding to some of those patterns that have held you back in the past and mm. so it doesn't often look very obvious right to the outward but we notice it over a few sessions I'll go huh, when you said that you didn't say you didn't say it in a way that made it sound like you were angry mm. and they'll go ah. Huh. No, do you know what? I don't feel angry. And yeah. then you go, ah, okay. So it's a it's yeah. a slower process, if that yeah. makes sense.
0: Helen Kuehl talking to Carrie Overton about her work as a counsellor and psychotherapist. You can listen to the whole interview on our listen again service, accessed via the on-air menu on the meridianfm.com website. For more information about the work Helen does, visit helencule.co.uk. That's Helen K E W E L.co.uk. We'll post the link on Twitter at SundayReview107 and on facebook.com forward slash SundayReview107. On his mid-morning show on Tuesday, Paul Tolmy caught up with director Dodie Brown from the Archway Theatre to talk about their latest production, Macbeth.
9: I'm really excited. It's, it's been so much fun working on this production. Got a fabulous cast, fabulous crew, and the set looks amazing.
6: It always does when you come to the Archway. Because it's it's so, the last couple of directors we've had on, we've had uh, Elodie and uh, Chris as well, and they've all said how much they, how it's, it's one of their favourite performance spaces.
9: We are so lucky here. We have a team called the Scenery Citizens, and whatever somebody designs, they put it together, and they do it in three or four days, and just, it's magical.
6: It is. What, what can people expect from this one?
9: Um, Okay, so it is set sort of in the Dark Ages, so a little earlier than often Shakespeare's Macbeth is is set. Uh, The witches look like elemental spirits, so you've got a witch of the stone, a witch of the tree, and a witch of the water. Uh, As I said before, lots of swords, so there'll be quite a couple of nice battle scenes going on. Um, And a very earthy sort of look to the whole piece.
6: All right, it's very exciting. Um, quite a few archway productions are, are Shakespeare. It's nice that there's a, that, that mix of traditional and then the slightly more contemporary ones.
9: Yeah, we do try and put on a Shakespeare every year, if possible, um, and it varies. The, the The beauty of Shakespeare is you can do a modern setting, you can do a traditional Elizabethan setting, and you can play with who plays what role so it doesn't always have to be male female it could be a whole female cast it could be a whole male cast and we have the luxury of a wardrobe department here as well so we can play around with the look of the thing
6: Mm. we're we're sat here in the in the in the dressing room surrounded by all different types of you know costume and everything that's the beauty of of the amateur theatre isn't it it's just the versatility
9: yeah, and, and the luxury of having such a good mix of teams here. Mm. So we have people who make costumes, we have people who provide uh, the equipment, so there are lots of different experts within the group that will bring... So, for example, one of the actors has supplied the swords that we're going to be using on stage, um, and, and it just makes it a real community feel, but also we have the luxury of lots of knowledgeable people to work with.
6: Mm. And also, it's a wonderful community. I always find it's a wonderful community feeling here as well.
9: Oh, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful family place. Lots of people come from lots of different areas. Um, we've got people who've been here for seventy years, down to eight nine year olds that are in um, the youth workshop and producing their productions. How long have you been here yourself? I've been here since about 2011, uh, started off just watching things and then got involved backstage. I really like backstage and, and helping with the, that side of the plays, but also I chaperone as well to support the young people so that they can actually be involved in productions.
6: And you've got so much going on here as well. It's not just the, it's not just the usual shows, it's, you've also got the, the dingbats, improv, you've got so much going on, the youth theatre as well.
9: Yeah, there's, uh, so there is the, the youth workshop, which is eight-year-olds upwards. Uh, Dingbats, as you mentioned, which is about fun nights to learn improvisation skills and, and put on events. We've, got, um, we've had salsa a couple of weekends ago, mm. uh, quizzes. So there's lots of other fun stuff that happens as well as your more traditional shows. And we've got some musicals coming up this year as well
6: yeah so it's it's a full-on program um if people want to come along it's on it's the usual archway run isn't it 10 shows in the row
9: it is indeed so, so it's tuesday to saturday and then tuesday to saturday again the show starts at seven forty-five, um but do arrive early because we've got a lovely bar where you can gather before the show happens
6: I can vouch for that. It's a lovely bar as well. The only thing is I have to bend over to get into the theatre. That's my, that's my only problem. <laughs> I one day I'm not going to be able to make it. But, no, I always love coming to the archway because there's it's something special about it, isn't it? It's such a beautiful little space.
9: It's, it's unique. It's, it's under railway arches in Hawley, so each arch... Um, does a different job if you like so you have one arch that has the wardrobe as i said before we've got a rehearsal space the bar obviously the theater and then we've got a a function room which has some of the other events so we are it's a real luxury to have this
6: so here we are now with about uh, the the show will be opening very soon what's going to happen between now and then because soon this room is going to be full of people getting ready into costume and it's all very exciting
9: Yeah, so it will be very, very busy. There'll be a team of 13 actors in here putting wigs on, um, dressing in boots and having shields and all that sort of palaver that goes around the the setting of the play. They'll be running through lines and then the stage manager will take over and suddenly the show will go up.
0: Dodie Brown talking there to Paul Tolmy. Macbeth runs at the Archway Theatre in Hawley until the 13th of May, for tickets and further information, visit archwaytheatre.com. That's archwaytheatre.com. Or you can call the box office on O triple three triple six double three double six. That's O triple three triple six double three double six. And that's it for the latest edition. We've got all the information on the features you've heard today on Twitter at Sunday Review 107 or on Facebook.com forward slash Sunday Review 107. I'll be back on air next Sunday morning from 10am on 107 Meridian FM or on meridianfm.com or you can download the latest podcast. Until then, take care and have a great week ahead.